everybody, welcome back to Cover B. Real extra. It's getting real extra up in here. <laughs> it has been a while. In her. It has been some time since we have done a real extra, mostly because movies. Movies don't exist anymore. They stopped. Yep. They just they just went away. The, they don't exist. The movie industry has ceased to be. Particularly the big boys like our DCs and our Marvels because <clears throat> they're like really stubborn about this whole not releasing on digital thing. Mm -hmm. Which apparently, according to one of the producers of the New Mutants, is because they have a legal contract where they have to release it on film, like in the in theaters before they release it on digital, which is stupid, but yeah. fine. Like, did you guys even expect to make any money from New Mutants? That's an argument for another day. Hopefully we'll have a real extra for that at some point. I just wonder, <laughs> I wonder, um, I was thinking about this the other day, and I wonder if, like, the whole reason, because obviously they'd be pushing for theater releases because theater releases make them more money, right? Right. But, like, I wonder if the whole reason theater releases make more money, does that translate also into ticket sales? Do the movie companies, because I don't know much about how that works. I haven't looked into it. I've just been thinking about it. Yeah. Like, do the movie companies actually make money off of ticket sales or do they, is it like, um, you know, is it like comics? Like, Marvel makes no money off of you buying a comic. Right. Right. They make money off of the stores buying the comic to sell to you. So do these movie companies basically just make money off of the movie theaters buying the rights to oh. do the movie? And then ticket sales translate into how long the movie stays in the theater and thus how long the movie theater pays for. You know what I mean? Interesting. Or do they actually get like a percentage of ticket sales? I don't know. And or both. Second of all, like... Okay, obviously being in theaters is enough of a financial like lift that it's important and so they're just pushing movies away until coronavirus stops. But like is that all hype if the movies were released only in like buyable digital forms or like Blu-rays, would the hype shift? You know what I mean? Would the yeah. would there be a similar financial gain from the movie company? If people's only source for these movies they were excited for, like, how necessary is the theater experience? I personally, and this is coming from somebody personally loves going to the theater. Yeah, we are love, big moviegoers. Love going to see movies. But I'm just wondering if. If it's the theater experience or just the this is my first chance to see the movie kind of thing. So, like, if there was some sort of like new adaptation of movie releases where it was like hey you can go to a theater and pay like 10 bucks or you can you know hop on our website and pay you know five bucks and watch it from know. home would more would they see people shift their hype you know like yeah and that said is the reason no one's willing to like go that route because they're afraid to piss off the theater industry. You know what I mean? Like that's a, that's a thing I wonder about too. Cause now that they're talking about how theaters, there's like contractual obligation. I wonder how much of that is that the theater industry has been like, yeah. Like how much is like, locked down we'll already? give you a certain percentage because 
we're like you have to promise to put certain movies in theaters yeah but at the same time i'm like new mutants <laughs> y'all didn't think that one was gonna sell from the get-go <laughs> yeah true um yeah i don't know I, I was just thinking about that the other day and i like i said i've never looked into what the breakdown of what the production companies actually make that might not of, even be accessible to us yeah, um how much is that behind like, closed doors stuff. but i'm just thinking like you know if you're making a percentage and tickets change regionally, you know That's what I mean? True. So it's it in my like in my opinion, it can't be a percentage because like where we live, tickets are like what, like twelve to fifteen dollars, depending on what theater you go to. And then if you yeah. go to a different area, it's like eight to twelve dollars. And it's like, you know what I mean? So there yeah. couldn't be a percentage because then they'd be making less off of different theaters. So it's got to be like a fixed rate off of tickets if they make money off of ticket sales themselves. Um, it's true. And I don't know. I I just I wonder if if that's the case. Say they have a fixed rate of like we make four bucks for every ticket sold, five dollars for every ticket sold. Then why not just like, you know, everybody's got these Disney Plus, for instance. Why not? Like integrate a function on Disney Plus for like new releases that people can actually like pay for. So in addition to the monthly subscription for the next like three months, you can see this movie before it goes into like, you know, standard full rotation. circulation. Would yeah. People do that and pay for that. Just be like, I'm seeing it first and I don't have to wait like six months of people like spoiling it for $6, you know, or and, yeah. is it, is it, would people just say, Oh, well I'll just wait for it to, become free but if that's the case why don't people just do that anyway now you know so right I, I don't know i'm just i was thinking about that the other day like how much do they really the, get the box office quote-unquote money that they make is it how much is reliant on the actual theater process and how much is just i'm really excited for this movie i know my friends are gonna see it you know if i don't watch it now i'm gonna be left out that's a good like, point how much is hype and how much is like, we love the theater, you know? It's really going to be interesting, too, considering now they're talking about releasing in China before releasing in the U.S. Because yeah. China's already starting to open back up. So, like, how are we going to avoid spoilers? Yeah. Like, how are they? Which isn't that then going to hurt yeah. ticket sales because yeah, if people have already found out what happens at the end of wonder woman 1984 like why go yeah. i mean i'll go obviously but there's a lot of people where if they get spoiled they're not gonna bother until it's free yeah like that's a big deal so they're making a big risk if that's the case mm -hmm. because then you are discerning that the movie going experience is what is vital because you're 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 basically banking on people being like well i still want to see it in theaters even after they know what happened. Yeah. And that's bold. Maybe they're just hoping that the strict ass <laughs> government of China will cut down on internet spoilers. <laughs> that's know. true. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, that's a, that's a bold decision depending on how early. Cause I mean, they always release in different re regions early. Like a lot of the Marvel <laughs> movies release in Europe or the, at least the UK, I think before, but that's America, like days. It's like, yeah, it's like a few days, you know. This would be like months. So, I don't know. There's no way we can avoid that. 
anyway, that aside, um, even though nothing's coming out in theaters right now, we have uh, Big Papa Netflix to thank for plenty of comic-related things hitting, All praise Netflix. hitting the airwaves. Um, <laughs> we actually have uh, Umbrella Academy, the next season of that, starting Ooh. now, I think, starting today. Oh, crap. Um, I guess I know what we're doing this weekend. So that's something... <laughs> We're starting yesterday, I guess. I thought it was Friday. <laughs> um, uh, and hell, there's even a new Muppet show starting on Disney Plus that maybe we'll talk about. The streaming services doth provide. Uh, but what they we do. want to talk about, it's a little bit old by now. Not old, but like it's been out for a while. Uh, we just haven't gotten around. Less than a to, month. Haven't gotten around to. <laughs> Watching it until fairly recently and talking about it until today. Uh, but we want to talk about Netflix's The Old Guard. Yes. Um, movie. This is a movie based off of the Image comic uh, by Greg Rucka. Uh, yes. And uh, the Image comic is fairly old, but they do have a new volume coming out called... Uh, what is it called? It's got a subtitle on it. Uh, give me a second. Talk. Yes. While he is looking, I... Um, haven't actually read Old Guard, the original uh, installment or the new one coming out. Um, so for me, it was kind of cool yeah. because I got to be surprised by all the things that yeah. happened. Like I was at first I was kind of like, oh, yeah, let's watch this. I'm working at the same time. Like, this is fine. This is good. And then like something happened and I was like, hold on. What? What are we, what are we watching? Who is that? How did that? Wait, they yeah. just what? Who what? Yeah. And Chris was super in, ener like entertained by me being like, "Oh, I had no, oh, I did, oh, oh, wow, how'd they do that?" The, <laughs> yeah, the new the new volume is called Old Guard Force Multiplied, um, and yeah, so it's still ongoing. Uh, you can get trades pretty readily for the for the first volume. It had been a while since I had seen the for or read the first volume, but um. From my memory, this one sticks fairly true to the original kind of feel of it. You gotta love um, that. To give you a general idea of what the premise is, Ooh, it basically synapses. is a. It opens with a group of mercenaries. Uh, they're setting out to do some mercenary things. Um, they find out that they got set up, and they get shot to death. The end. Hooray! Uh, except it's not. Because we find out that they are actually a group of, you know, basically immortal warriors uh, who... Centuries old immortal warriors. Cannot die. They are led by a woman who calls herself Andy. Uh, I think her full name is like Andromeda of Scythia. Um, she is played by the ever action-packed Charlize Theron. Uh, and it's it's really well done. I mean, it's it's... As with many things, I was kind of hoping this one would be a show when the rights got picked up. I thought it was going to be like a series. Yeah. Um, and I think it it honestly was weakened a bit by being, being short. a series. Yeah. Um, there was background on the other characters that you get in the comic uh, that you kind of just get in little snippets of dialogue in this. And I think it would have been cool to be able to see uh, like... Uh, like Joe and Nikki are in a relationship and it would have been cool to see where they met, which they met during the Crusades. You know, yeah. they killed each other and then woke up and then killed each other again <laughs> and like had this like cool kind of eternal struggle. 
before eventually realizing that they were actually star-crossed lovers. Um, and their characters are great, and they actually they did so super well with them in this movie. Uh, it was it was really really cool. Yeah, um, from the from an like acting and character perspective, I feel like Charlize Theron deserves more hype. For being an action star. Like you always hear mm. about the like Jason Statham's and the the you know Dwayne the Rock Johnsons and yeah. like okay, great, male action heroes. We haven't had any of those before. But like <laughs> Charlize Theron has been in a ton of action movies and always, always delivers. Yeah. Like Atomic Blonde was amazing. Her as Furiosa and Mad Max was amazing. Even back in the day when I think she was the one in Aeon Flux, like yeah. She is such an incredibly good action star. Yeah. Like she holds that standard I'm too aloof and good for you action guy persona that is so prevalent, but she does it so well and she yeah. makes it interesting and like engaging and her actual like stunt work is spectacular. Like I saw a thing about her from Atomic Blonde back in the day and she beat the heck out yeah. of the people on set. Like she had to go and buy everybody like shots because she was like actually bruising people on set. <laughs> like she's fantastic. And so I feel like we need to stop hyping all these other people as like action stars, but consistently talking about Charlize Theron as like the super beautiful actress. Like, yes, okay, she's a beautiful actress, but she's also in action star. Yeah. Can we just specify that now? Yeah. And and she she's really good at taking the lead role in an action movie and not inherently making it like but this is a female action star. Yes. You know what I mean? Like it's it's not defined by femininity. It's not defined by like very I hate to call anyone out, but very like Black Widow-esque like I do flippy flips and I do right. these. It's very like just standard action choreography. Very, she punches dudes. Yeah. But it's also, you know, <laughs> and I hate to be this way, but these people exist. It also does enough to make sense in the real world where you won't have neck beards being like, um, excuse me. She wouldn't have the a woman physical would not power. be able to overpower a man of that size. Thank you. And it's like they do plenty of kind of like force manipulation and like, you know, she goes for soft points and stuff like that. So they it's like Harley from the the Birds of Prey movie. That's not on her. That's on the fight choreographers of the and directors of the movies that she's been in. Um, But I think we need more of that. We need more of like. You know, I'm not going to end every fight in a pose where I'm like on the ground with my ass up. (laughs) <laughs> because I'm a lady and that's how ladies in fights like happens a lot in a certain someone's movies who happens to be in tight clothing in a lot of those movies. Cough. Um, and which is fine. Hey, again, it's the directors and the fight choreographers that we need to be mad at, not the actors. Let's all hope um, the new one's going to fix it. But, you know, I think more <laughs> I think there needs to be more of an attention to detail on you know putting women in lead action roles where they do you know okay fine like this dude's 
big and well-trained. I'm big and well-trained. But, you know, fine, okay, he could probably overpower me, so I'm going to do things to combat against that because I'm well-trained, and that's what I would be well-trained to do. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. That makes logical sense, and it's fine, (laughs) and it keeps the the freaking neckbeard scumbag hordes at bay and and i mean nobody has a problem when jason statham takes out a dude that's like six times his size he's not a big dude that's the thing is it happens all the time in regular action movies yes and you know you don't have to go over the top with it and have women like you know being like xena from xenia from uh golden eye and like choking dudes out with their thighs because ladies <laughs> got thighs and that's what we think i was gonna say it's like, it's like the default move for a female is just like frankensteiner him frankensteiner yeah, yeah. Like him jumping I'm like, up uh, and flipping with their with, the with thighs their butts against and the land, landing and their shirts rip open like <laughs> directors chill out okay we get it but like we understand that you all watch yeah. wwe during the 90s but we it's, got it. it's reasonable that somebody <laughs> trained in martial arts would look at a look at a combatant and say that person can strength to strength overpower me but there's other things you can do and there's plenty of martial arts titles that focus on like use of energy and use of force and use of weight in yeah. different ways or focusing and pinpointing on weak points that every human has it doesn't matter how freaking jacked you get if you take a kick to the knees hard enough guess what hurts like hell and your your knees is still exposed you can't put muscles on top of this that's still bone dog if you put muscles on there you're gonna walk like a freaking ken doll and so it's like there are points that are still exposed no matter how many muscles you get and like, I, I, I think it's reasonable and it's good for directors to put women in lead action roles and be like, they're not going to be these like dainty, like, we're not going to focus on just how lithe and fast they are. Like, that's not necessarily going to be their thing. Yeah. Because I feel like too often in uh, in action movies, we kind of like, like directors will just basically categorize women as elves. They're elves now. <laughs> they focused on ranged attacks. They're very frail, very fast. And why not? They can see Gondor from here anyway. Oh, and I bet they're blonde. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, yeah. So it's like women are not elves. We don't have to keep making women elves. And I, again, going back to it, I feel like Charlize Theron has been, and this might be her bringing this to the set and being like, this is what I want to do. Um, she can actually beat up dudes. So let her beat up dudes. Really good being, <laughs> you know, at the forefront of like these movies that are very well fight choreographed. Yeah. You know, they don't just have her doing flips in tight clothing and stuff like that, you know. Uh and it's 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 been really cool. And this one, I mean, the fight choreography is really good. If you are a fan of the comic, they use the really dope axe that she has, which it's I was so really cool excited about. Um, and yeah, I mean, it, it was just, it was just super cool. There's um, even like a, f- a woman on woman fight during it. And it, th- it was not overly sexualized. Like they beat the hell out of each other in the most appropriate, mm-hmm. like natural way. And I was like, thank yeah. you. Just like I don't know why that's fighting. so hard. Yeah. I, I mean, why does everybody always default to like, oh, she pulled her hair. Oh, she bitter. I'm like, 
stop with the hair pulling. That's it. that is true. Charlize yeah, doesn't even have much hair. You'll have like <laughs> you'll have like an action movie with like, and they're doing pretty well. It's like, oh okay, yeah, this this chick's a badass. Wow. And then it's like, oh, she goes up against like bad guy chick, and suddenly there's like hair pulling and like scratching, and it's like pulling why? clothes. I'm like, stop. I feel like stop. I, <laughs> I can't remember what movie. There's a movie that stands out. Like I can see the sequence. I don't remember which one it was where it was like for the rest of the movie, she's just like a badass. And then suddenly she goes up against a girl and it's like <laughs> pillow fight. <laughs> it's like, I don't understand. The but- other thing that stood out to me in this movie that was really great is as Chris was talking about the romance between the two characters on the team. Mm-hmm. There is a scene. I'm not going to spoil it. There's a scene in which one of the men talks about his relationship and his devotion to the other man. And it is one of the most beautiful, well articulated, mm-hmm. well expressed visualizations of a gay relationship I've ever yeah. seen on screen. Yeah. Like I got I'm I'm I was tearing. Any, I was tearing so hard. Of any relationship. Any relationship. Like, but what makes you can, it so you can tell that the screenwriter love somebody (laughs) yes but what made it so special is that it was a gay relationship and they don't get that on screen very much yeah like it was like it was beautiful no matter who the relationship was but the fact that they allowed it to be a gay relationship when so often gay relations especially in action movies that they're trying to pimp out to other places that don't like gay people like that's a big deal and it was yeah. so well done and their relationship was so natural and depicted so well. Like, oh, I just we need we need more representation of all people. Yeah. And it was so nice that this gave us that. Well, uh, you know, Netflix and as far as I know, to an extent, Hulu, like the <laughs> streaming platforms have been a pretty solid place for, you know, LGBTQ relationship, uh representation. Um so, you know, I, I'm not entirely surprised, um, but yeah, it, it was incredibly well done. And like I said, it poetically was just written in such a way that you could tell the person writing the words behind the screen uh, obviously had some sort of feelings towards somebody. So, yeah, it was um, so beautiful Power to you. But yeah, I mean, they handled the Joe and Nikki relationship really, really well. Um, and those guys like the chemistry between the two of them was just fantastic. Um, it was it was cool. Uh, there were some changes, like I said, from comic to movie. Uh, like I mentioned, I think the movie did suffer a bit being a movie. Uh, it wasn't horribly long. Uh, yeah. and I think, you know, anytime you make, like, it's fine to make a comic book movie, but you, A, need to expect to make a handful of them. <laughs> Multiples. <laughs> Uh, B, you need to, I mean, you're just going to lose some stuff in, in the interpretation. Comic book movies are hard to make to begin with. There's a lot of things you can do in that medium. And we've talked about it on here that you just can't do in either a strictly written medium or a strictly visual medium. Yep. Having the two combined is a really rare art form and there will be some loss in trans in, in translation as you move to one or the other. Uh, that said, you know, doing a series is a lot, it's a lot easier to get that all out on the table. You look at the comparison between, you know, this or like, 
I'm trying to think of like other comic book movies that happened, but I can't think of any off the top of my head. But, um, you know, you look at the difference between this where I'm talking about how it lost some stuff in its move to movies versus something like Umbrella Academy, which is critically acclaimed, super weird. You know what I yeah. mean? And in the comparison, like Old Guard isn't that hard of a concept. To it's understand. not. It's, it's really a group not. Of mercenaries. They are immortal. They've been around for a long time. They don't know when they're going to lose their immortality, if ever. And there's some like weird spy stuff going on. And that's like it. That's a, it's yeah. basically just James Bond. If he was, if the guards for Doctor No were better shots, and he happened to be immortal, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, that's pretty basically much. what you've got. It's it's Mission Impossible. If you know they wanted Tom Cruise's character to actually get what's his name, Ethan Hunt, right? Isn't I don't know. I something stupid. Here's a anyway. here's a fun. Little tidbit: I've never seen a Mission Impossible movie. I will tell you, and this is probably going to bring porch p- porch fix out, uh, pitchforks out. Uh, <laughs> uh, I hate Mission Impossible movies. I think they are. That's probably why I've never seen one. <laughs> the most, yeah, they are definition action movie hokum. They they are literally like everyone wants to badmouth the Fast and the Furious movies, but I think the Fast and the Furious movies are self aware enough to know that they're stuff is cheesy you know and they play with it for their for like humor and emotional standpoint mission impossible thinks it's doing the right thing (laughs) you know what i mean like it (laughs) thinks it's cinema and it's fine it's grandiose and explosive and action-packed and there's you know solid actors and solid probably plenty of drama but like it's just it's cheap cheesy it's hokey um, and they started cheating when they tried to bring in Superman to try and go to see seeing the newest one. Yeah, right. <laughs> and then they had him like cock his arms and it was weird. Anyway, um, <laughs> time to punch. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it, it would be, you know, this premise is effectively like Mission Impossible. If the producers of Mission Impossible wanted Ethan Hunt to get shot and Tom Cruise was like, hey, wait a minute. I'm Tom Cruise. What do you think you're doing to me? And the compromise was like, okay, Ethan gets shot, but Ethan's also immortal. <laughs> that sounds um, completely possible. <laughs> wasn't he like immortal in the new Mummy movie? Didn't that happen? Oh, God. I never watched that nonsense. I was anyway, offended it existed. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I think I saw I was in like a lobby of like an oil change place and it was on. <laughs> and I think I saw like him getting up from like a body bag or something and i was like what oh god jesus because he gets in like a plane crash and then he's dead and then he's like i'm not dead i'm tom cruise um that sounds about right but so you know it's it's not a hard to accept premise no and it's not still loss you know what i mean and it's i did think of a i did think of another comic book movie uh, there's kingsman okay yeah. And I think you lose some. You lose some. Yeah, you lose some from a six issue mini to, uh, you know, to this. And I yeah. think Old Guard was also like six issues. And again, Kingsman, not that hard of a concept. No. To accept. Super not. Um, but there's still a lot. Great movie. Great movie. Uh, But there's still loss there. And, you know, I, I, I think you just do better if you sign on for like a series. And yes, series are hard, but... And require more effort, 
but uh, you just get more out of the book. Things that were lost to this weren't that extreme. I think you lost a little bit of detail of that would have been nice to see of the individual characters' backgrounds. We see Andy kind of doing her like Sumerian type thing back in the day. Uh, And we see her relationship with Quinn, which is a whole thing that I'll get to in a second. Um, Because I thought it was an interesting addition. Um, We also lose, they changed up the bad guy. Oh, okay. Um, So the bad guy in this one is like, and this isn't really spoilers. The second you meet him, you're like, he bad. Um, <laughs> but the bad guy in this one is kind of, they kind of went a uh, Jesse Eisenberg Luther route with it. Because in the movie, uh, he's like just some pharmaceutical guy. He wants to get his hands. He's heard of these immortal people. He wants to get his hands on them so he can drain them of their blood, figure out what makes them immortal, and then sell it at like exorbitant prices to rich people so they can be immortal. You know? Yeah. Uh, in Sounds the book, right. and again, it's been a while since I read the book. I really should have like refreshed before we dove into this, but uh, I never do. <laughs> uh, in the book, it I believe is also some sort of like scientist or immortal guy, but he's also like himself or scientist or pharmaceutical guy, but he's also himself kind of like souped up on pharmaceutical stuff. Uh... So he's like also resistant to damage and also like kind of strong, kind of jacked. Kind of a good fighter. So he's a little bit more of an aggressive okay. kind of bad guy. Interesting. Um, Not just like this nerdy dude. They kind of, they basically split the character into like the pharmaceutical guy being the like head honcho. And then the like muscly, really good at fighting part being his like lead security guy. Yeah. Which was a really, he did a good job and he yeah. was doing some really good fight sequences and stuff. But, um, you know, so it's just, it's. Things like that that you lose. Yeah. Um. And it, if it had it been even just like a four episode series. Right. You know, you would have been able to have like one entire episode where they're sitting around kind of sharing their background. And we see we literally see the two of them fighting in the Crusades and we see uh, Burke being whatever he was. You know what I mean? And we see them kind of going through different wars and stuff. <laughs> I think I think one of the mild flaws of this movie is that the pacing does get a little weird at at some point. Like, I feel like the flow is great up until like two thirds into the movie. And then there's like a sliver where it just feels weird. Like, you Mm. can't tell if it's rushed or if it's too slow. Like, it feels wrong. You just can't identify how. And then I feel like the ending kind of flows back to normal. But there's just, like, this weird chunk right around the, like, the big bad that just, like, doesn't it doesn't fit right. Like, it went from zero to 60, but then it's, like, a snail's pace. It's very confusing. I I um, feel like that's where there was an issue. My biggest hang-up if I could, if I could pick a hang up, um, and again, like this was a good movie. Oh Did yeah, it do a ton to revolutionize like action <laughs> movies as a whole. Not really. It ultimately boils down to it was kind of just your standard action fare, little born supremacy with a little bit of supernatural stuff mixed in. Had some great fight sequences. Had some great characters. Yeah. Um, the character, decent play on the superhero trope. Character development on um. Oh, what's her name on the new girl was really good. Oh, what's yeah. Her name? On Niall. Um, she did a great job. Was was really good. 
Uh, acting wise, a little bit. She was a little bit stiff at times, but uh, she got there. She she played well with Charlize, and uh, but I think my major hang up is I think they tried too hard to make Copley sympathetic, and without I won't spoil anything about Copley because that is really the only like spoilery thing I can do here. But um, in the comics, he was kind of just a sleaze. Mm. Um, and I think he would have done better if he was kind of just like an unsympathetic sleaze. Interesting. You know I mean? uh, but instead they try to make him like really <clears throat> sympathetic and really like, and it just, it resulted in like a period towards the, in like act three ish where like every time he was on screen, he was like, but my wife, it, you know, it, and it's like that to me, not that he didn't do a good job, but to me, the n- manipulation of the character felt very much because of who they cast. Yeah, fair. Um, like he's a good enough actor and like an important enough actor that they yeah. were like, let's make this character not a total butthead. Mm. Like and I'm like, eh, just let him be a butthead. <laughs> One thing that I thought was cool is that they simultaneously set themselves up for it either being over or a sequel. Yeah. Um, And it it was cool because, like I said, they've got a new volume coming out right now. Old Guard Force Multiplied. Um, But they're already setting up the story of that. Interesting. In this one. So the, the character Quinn, and I won't get into too much detail because it is spoilery, doesn't even get mentioned if i remember correctly she may get mentioned in like an offshoot dialogue but she is not an active part of the first volume of old guard oh so this huh this movie is based off of the story of the first volume of old guard but it also introduces quinn and then it ends with a cliffhanger which is effectively like the first few pages of the new volume of oh. Old Guard. So they obviously want to go into Old Guard Force Multiplied as like a new and I think they should by all right. means. Oh yeah. Um it's a good enough movie, it gets a sequel. <laughs> yeah. But uh at the end of the day, I just thought it was cool that this volume's still coming out. Like I it's not over. I don't <laughs> we think. don't know what happened yet. Um <laughs> and they're already introducing that. And I thought it was cool. I think where this movie you know, succeeded, and I—I don't know what his overall input was, but they did give Greg Rucka a uh, producer credit. Oh, nice! And um, it feels like that wasn't just like, "Hey, you wrote this. Here's a producer credit." Mazel Tov. It felt like he actively had some sort of creative had control a hand on in it. Everything. Um, or I mean, the production company just <laughs> l- used the source material well. You know, like, I mean. I could see Rucka being like, okay, hold on a minute. You're letting Mark Millar coordinate an entire series on your channel. I mm. want to at least have my hands in my own IP. Yeah. There's Which seems to, fair. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how far along they are on this, but he's also having a Lazarus show. Oh. That I think is picked up by Amazon. Oh. Um. I mean, Amazon did boys, and it was apparently fantastic. So. But I don't have Amazon. Yeah, but we can. <laughs> we will get it when the Lazarus show happens. What I was about to say is, I don't know how far along they are with it, but I kind of hope Netflix reaches out and maybe tries to 
purchase that from Buy them yeah. or the licensing runs out at Amazon and Netflix takes it. Yeah. Because I would like to see a freaking Lazarus show. That would be awesome. Lazarus is one of my favorite books. And again, it's another like female protagonist that is a badass. Yeah. Um. So who knows? We'll see. But it, it, it like I said, it did feel like the actual creator of the book got to have some sort of creative control over this. Oh yeah. Um and that's awesome. I I think that's I think that's the key to making like a good adaptation is having somebody who worked on the original be a part of everything. Well, and I think Gerard had his hands in the Umbrella Academy I feel show like he because yeah. he did tours like and stuff with them. Yeah. So like I'm pretty sure he was very much involved in making sure which I feel like he has to be. That book is so damn weird. Yeah. <laughs> like the only way they're gonna be like, "What are you doing here? Why is this?" And a I mean, thing? obviously that <laughs> obviously that has limitations. There there might be some creators that it's just hard to work with. Yeah, you know, that's true. I <laughs> don't believe you ever would have been able to give Alan Moore creative control of the Watchmen movie. No, you know, it would have been probably a nightmare. But I think, you know, most, especially when you're doing creator-owned stuff, you're buying the license off of this person anyway. Right. So it behooves you to bring that person in and say, even even if it's just in the screenwriting phase. Even Quick if consultation. Just in, like, the costume design, character yeah. design, and table reading and stuff like that. I'm not saying have this comic book writer on set every single day. Yeah. But I am saying... Give them creative control, not control necessarily, but creative uh, input, creative input and creative cooperation yeah. between the directors, the writers, the producers and this person. Definitely. Um, because, I mean, it, it just produces a better product. It makes a and difference. It, and you know what? Listen up, video game movie makers. Maybe if you actually spoke with the video game writers and the video game producers mm -hmm. and designers and understood why the gamers like the games they are, maybe your video game movie adaptations wouldn't always suck. <laughs> yeah, I think um, just a quick note on that. I think video game movies are never going to be good. And I think it's no fault in the people making the movies. I think it's more a fault in both a video games as a medium. Yep. And B video game fans as a community, because <laughs> it, it's, it's like I was saying about making a six issue mini into a, you know, 12 episode series. It's true. Um, You're talking, especially now modern video games, you know, you're talking like 40 to 80 hours of gameplay. Yeah trying to cram into like an hour and a half. So the result is the only way to make a movie is to do like Assassin's Creed did and tell a new story in that world or take the general idea and concepts and make it fit into a movie medium. But the problem is the second you do that, then the fans have a say, you know what I mean? Because you're not taking my Ezio Auditore and putting him on the screen. How dare you? I want to see the story I played through on the screen. Uh, exactly. That's true. And it's like, well, we can't do that because that's a 40 hour story 
We have an hour and a half to two and a half hours. Yeah. We cannot do that. Maybe three if we're bought by Disney. And so, you know, you either fan service and make it about the same characters, but you're going to have to change the story significantly. Yeah, you're going to have to cut to out everything. everything in. Yeah. And at the end of the day, are the fans going to be okay with that? I think it's a good idea. I think it's like, I think what the Assassin's Creed movie suffered was kind of like, bland character development fairly bland direction and there just wasn't a lot of like oomph it was a lot of like standing around and talking i felt like it really suffered from a lack of like of of character chemistry because personally i feel like marion cotier doesn't have chemistry with anyone (laughs) and so it was just sort of like watching paint dry on like in, in in my opinion, it suffered because Assassin's Creed is a hard concept to get into two and a half hours. It's weird. You know what I mean? Like it's super weird. You've got to you either like I I think the only way you make an Assassin's Creed, and this is totally off topic. Holy shit. Um <laughs> I think the only way you make an Assassin's Creed movie is by just making it about the assassins. You leave all the like we're going to plug into your brain and you're going to relive your ancestors' memories. Adios, just animus. Hella out of it. Yeah. <laughs> you just get rid of that crap. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because that's stuff that you would pull in if you were doing a series because then you could have plenty of time to flesh yeah. that out. But where the Assassin's Creed movie suffered was it was a whole lot of that, not a lot of assassins, and it was trying to like genetic memories and like get all that out in like rapid time so that they could keep the movie going and it just didn't it was weird and i mean that's the same goes for comics like if you're going to do a comic adaptation you're going to lose some things as it goes yeah and then you again you're the difficulty of making comic adaptations to film is a mix of both comics as a medium and comic fans as a community. Because if you change too much, how much are they going to blast you on it? That's and a good that's, point. It's especially true. It's even more so true, in my opinion, for video games. And that's why it's weird to me that no one has tried to make a video. Like, well, no, I guess that's not true. There have been like Castlevania series. And they do really well. Um, like, I don't understand why they're not making series. Yeah, there have been video game series. The, like, very, very significantly few ones that Isn't have there, been there are usually um, very good. Last of Us is going to be a series. Is it? Yes. And uh, Fallout oh. is going to be a series. Fallout should be a series. Last I of Us makes me uncomfortable. I people is making Fallout for Oh, my HBO. God. Or it's going to be, like, a Westworld-esque Fallout on it i i don't remember i saw an article about it didn't really read it but um (laughs) last of us is either going to be a movie or a series i think last of us could exist as a movie because most of it is just building the relationship between the two main characters yeah i think it would be better as a series yeah um agreed but overall last of us when you look at it it's basically like dude you know puts down his walls because of, you know, his building relationship with young girl who kind of becomes a surrogate daughter. And then there's zombies sometimes. But mainly this, you know yeah. what I mean? And no, so it true. would basically just be like a The Road type movie. 
um, of two people like forming a bond. Anyway, uh, yeah, I, I think a lot of these mediums when you're making adaptations, you have to be prepared for loss and you have to be prepared to keep the community that loves these things happy with Pacified. the final product. Yeah. And backtracking to the original point, the way you do that is by having creative consultation with the person that created it. Because then when you have to make those changes, they can make those changes make sense within the world that they've designed. And they understand your audience and the original people who loved the story. So they can say in a more authoritative way, the fans will be okay with this change. The fans won't be okay with this change. Like they've been at the cons. They've listened to their, they've gotten letters from readers. Like they know what people connect to and what they attach to. Like they would know, okay, well you can't make this character, you know, a good guy all of a sudden when he's been a bad guy, or you can't change this person from a a guy to a girl or a girl to a guy. Like they know those behaviors. I mean, that said, uh, you know, I do think we're in a dangerous zone, especially after the whole Sonic the Hedgehog thing where we're trying too hard to please fans. I think uh, people who make these movies, make these series need to accept that there will be things that change and they need to make them so that they are pleasantly different. It's it's fun watching a series or watching a movie that's based on something and then experiencing the original and being like, wow, that's very different. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like there's yeah. a lot of differences between the Walking Dead TV show and the Walking Dead comics. True. And that's exciting in and of itself because then you basically are given and the fans, listen to me fans, need to understand that when there are differences, you're given something new based around something that you already love and you get two things instead of just the same thing again. And I think that's better. That's true. The that's changes a good point. need to happen and it needs to kind of be able to stand on its own legs. Um, But it does need to fit. Yeah. Into the overall tone. And I think that's the big thing is making sure that like it isn't too drastically different. It isn't too weird. It isn't aesthetically unpleasing Sonic the Hedgehog. And I was going to say, don't be hating on the new Sonic because the new Sonic is so much better. It definitely was a necessary change. (laughs) I mean, I agree. But to what extent? You know what I mean? Like, would we like people liked the movie? They didn't they weren't like, oh, the movie sucked. But at least we got a Sonic. You know what I mean? Like they liked the movie. The movie played well. Would that have survived weird toddler Sonic? Probably. I don't know. But so many people got angry that people literally had to, companies had to spend more money. Yeah. And delay release. There was, you know, time people could have spent with their families and time people could have spent like enjoying a down period before their next project that was sucked up. People probably had to get taken off of projects that they had already signed on to. True. You know, because now that window of time is consumed by having to come in and redesign Sonic for every single shot. Yeah. People suffered because of that Sonic. Don't let it be like, like everyone wants to champion the internet because Sonic got changed. Hooray, we changed Sonic. You forced people into difficult situations and cost companies money because you didn't like how Sonic looked. Did he look weird? Yes, fine. You know what? You could have gotten over it. If it was a fine movie, if James Marsden and Jim Carrey's performance was fine, 
if the story was entertaining, the jokes were entertaining from the reviews I've heard they were, you would have gotten over it. But you didn't. You freaked out and you, you know, hit the companies and petitioned and got mad and said, we're not going to see this, you know, and threatened huh. people's livelihoods because you didn't like how Sonic looked. And thus again threatened people's livelihoods when they had to cancel projects, cancel time with their families, cancel vacations to come back and redesign for your sweaty, angry asses <laughs> because you were unhappy. We need to not, we are getting to a dangerous place where the second we do something, the loudest fans are going to dictate if that's okay. Huh. Toxic fanship won with Sonic. I don't care. I'm happy they made the change. I didn't like how Sonic looked, but you know what? I, I saw the movie. I was less likely to see the movie when they made the change because it aggravated me that people were suffering for it. Huh? And it, it just was in the news cycle so much. I just didn't care anymore. I was like, cool. I've seen Sonic fine. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like I, I was less, I would have been more likely to see it to see if it was worth the weird looking Sonic. Right. To see if I could adapt to it. Right. And I would have. Everybody would have. Every single person that was so upset about Sonic would have. Huh. If they had just given it a chance. But they didn't. They made it a problem. And now every time something deviates too much, that's what we're going to see. You know, that's what we're going to get. And it's going to put pressure on companies. And if they consistently change it, then what we're going to get is what the toxic fanship wants, which is watered down, direct, page by page adaptations of everything. That's boring as hell. That's a good point. You know, if you look at Infinity War and Endgame and all the Avengers cycle stuff, it was based on comic stories with a unique twist. Yeah. And that's the benefit. Definitely. Is you, you know, you see Infinity War and you're like, I want to know what that's like. And then you go and get the Infinity Gauntlet you know, graphic novel, the trade. And you're like, wow, that's very different. I've now had two epic stories that I love that are very different, though similar in ways. Two very different experiences. And yeah. you're enriched by that. But so many of the fanship is just so worried about like, ah, they changed a little detail. Ah, petition, 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 Metacritic bomb, you know? Right. And it's like, get over it. It's a good point. You, you are enriched by allowing diversity, by allowing changes in adaptations, and by, by allowing creative ingenuity to be a part of your culture. You are enriched by that as a fan. No, they're not attacking you. They're not doing anything against you. They're not taking something away from you. They're giving you yet another thing in this universe that you love that you can love and appreciate. You know? But. People don't want that. For some reason. Because they take it as an affront. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying. Is like. Get the creators involved. In these adaptations. Because they know the characters. They know the tone. They know the overall feel and aesthetic. Of their creation. But I don't think it matters. That they know the fans. The fans need to never be a part. Of the creative process. Mm. It still will appeal to the fans. If you have a creator involved. Yeah. That's but a good like point. going. Oh 
the fans won't like that is dangerous, dangerous territory because what it's going to result in is nothing but a bunch of watered down fan service. I mean, look at solo, look at solo The fans ended up hating it. All it was, was a, just a ton of fan service. Yeah, it, it was, was. Like, look, it's chewy. Hey, it's this guy. Whoa. Remember him? Whoa, look at that. And it's like, <laughs> that's all it was. The fans ended up hating it. It was nothing but fan service. Yeah. It was nothing but like shaking a fan and being like, oh, look, look on the screen. Whoa, that guy, you know? Right. Look, Lando's capes. He's talking about capes, man. (laughs) And the fans hated it. But guess what we're going to get a ton of if the fans keep winning? Nothing but that. So if you don't want to live in a world of solos, just let creators do their thing and look at things Go see movies and say, you know what? I didn't like that because I felt the story was a little weak. I didn't like that because I felt like the characters didn't have a lot of chemistry. I didn't like that because I thought the graphics were a bit too cheesy. But don't go, I didn't like that because that's not my Ezio Auditore. That's not my Commander Shepard. That's not my Thanos. That's not my Batman. Right. It will never be yours. If you want it to be yours, and I've said this in the past, make one. Yeah. Create. If you want to decide where the creative cycle goes, be a creator. But until you can do that, if you don't like something, just don't like it and move on. Yeah. If you if you don't like how something was, give it a chance. If you don't want to give it a chance, if you just can't, move on. but leave the toxicity and the hatred somewhere else because it's not going to do anything but harm the very thing you love. Yeah. And that's my, that's my super unrelated. (laughs) This is like simultaneously a real extra and a key issues. Anyway, it kind of is. Now that this is like an hour long episode, uh, old guard loved it. Check it out. It was real good. Uh, it's on Netflix. Uh, I really hope they do another one. Uh, I honestly hope they just turn everything Greg Rucka touches into uh, into series and movies. That'd be nice. Uh, but at the end of the day, like I said, I think comics deserve series over movies, personally. I agree. I feel like there's too much that gets lost if you don't have a long enough medium in order to kind of go through the everything. Re- the only real exception is Millar. Because I think Millar specifically packages his books for for film. Well, because it's like three issues of content and then like two issues yeah. of let's wrap this up in one scene. Yeah. I mean, you can't. <laughs> yeah. You can't continuously sell movie rights if you're not making you know, movies, <laughs> limiting, limiting yourself to six issues and six issues only. The exception there is the Jupiter stuff. I think the Jupiter's legacy Jupiter circle has to be a series and i think that's the plan for that one if i remember right yeah um but anyway all right well i think that's gonna be it for us uh if you want more cover b including a ton more real extras of past movies and shows that have gone by you can find all of those on our website 
coverbpodcast.com. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter at coverbpodcast. Um, we're regularly posting all sorts of cool stuff, typically news and funny little things that we find along the interwebby ways. Mm-hmm. Um, you can also, if you like video games, you can watch us stream our variety stream, Tinting Games streams six days a week. And we also both, Chris and I, have Instagram accounts. So check those out as well. I haven't posted it in months because I've been quarantined and I have nothing to take pictures of except myself and jammies. And cats. <laughs> yeah, but uh, there's so many cat pictures already. Post more cats. It's Just make it a cat exclusive stream. <laughs> yeah, fair. All right. Anyway, y'all go have a good rest of your weekend. Enjoy the time off and away. And we will see you on the next episode of Cover B. Bye-bye. Bye, folks.